Do you feel that every time someone you know buys a property for the first time, they are starting from ground zero? Entering into the transaction, they don't know what to look out for. So I wonder, why don't more Singaporeans share their stories, the ups and downs of the property journey, so others know a little bit more what to look out for and make smarter choices? If you're interested to find out more about these questions, we got this episode for you. Hey guys, I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff. Help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Welcome back to another day on Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights, investment strategies, and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property or building a bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. Today, we are joined by James to share with us his property purchasing journey as a young Singaporean. He's just a normal Singaporean like you and I, but his story becomes interesting after he bought the property. Can you prevent what happened to him on your property? Stay tuned to find out more. James, you got your first property at the age of 28. What made you decide to get a property at that age? Um, well, for me, it came naturally because um, for me at age of 28 is a time whereby I should settle down with my other half. Uh, I think it's the same for a lot of other people. So to settle down, we need to get a property. Which is why at this age, it was natural for me like, to make this decision to, to buy one for ourselves. But how did you choose your property? You know, What were the factors you looked out for? Uh, I think the first thing to look out for will definitely be the location because for us to go to work, distance uh, and time taken to go to work is a very important factor for us to consider. We always want to have a place that is nearer to work so that we have more time in the morning to prepare and then less traveling time. The distance to the central business district will definitely be one of the key factors for us to consider. The next one will definitely be um, the amenities nearby, whether it's uh, close to supermarkets or yeah. whether uh, there's availability of some food courts nearby. Mm. Yeah, so that's one thing I will look out for. Uh, the next thing I will look out for in the property, besides location, will be the layout of the place itself. After all, we will be staying in that place. Definitely to find a layout whereby it's comfortable for us to see, stay in the long run. Yeah. So I think these are the two key things I will consider. La. I think the final uh, factor will be the cost of the place itself. Yeah. What was the ballpark of the cost of your price? So for myself, I got myself a property uh, around the east side, around uh, quite, near, quite near to CBD as well, around uh, 15 minutes train, train ride. Yes. Um, got a property for around $1 million. Mm. How many rooms is that? Uh, that's a four room, uh, around 90 plus uh, square meters. La. Okay, that's quite reasonable. Uh, mm, so you, you walk, walk down to around 1,000 plus uh, per square feet. Yeah. 
which is a reasonable price uh, for somewhere quite close to CBD. Is it a freehold or leasehold? Uh, it will be a freehold. I, the, the reason why I prefer freehold is because, uh, first of all, freehold is 999 years. Uh, leasehold will only be 99 years. Yeah. Uh, I think 999 years, you have more room for capital appreciation. Uh, HDB or leasehold properties, um, if especially consider if it's an older property, as the lease term becomes shorter, the lease side becomes shorter, um, I'm not really sure how that will impact the price of the property. I think there's some uncertainty over there. So you're saying there will be depreciation and you don't want that to be a risk. Lah. So it's better to... I think that one will definitely has an impact to the selling price when we decide to sell the HTB. Mm. If he has a less uh, life, least life yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, so I would think freehold is a better option, better yeah. choice. Uh, I also think that freehold, uh, you have more flexibility around how you want to renovate your place. Yes. Um, and also there's bigger room for appreciation as well. Mm. So if you are looking for long-term capital appreciation, I would think freehold in the long run will definitely outpace the capital appreciation for a leasehold property. Yeah. Mm. Actually, how long did your whole search take? Uh? Was it a few months or for over me, one year? It was pretty smooth. It was around one, one to two months Mm. Uh, first of all, we decided on the location of the place we wanted to buy. La, somewhere yeah. near to my parents, also on the east side. Yeah. So that's a key factor we considered. So we look around the east area, la, somewhere that is like 15 minutes or 10 minutes train ride to CBD. Yeah. We went to a couple of places uh, and then we went to call the agent and explore the, understand the layout of the place. Um, I think the price per square feet for the area I was looking at was Oh, around 1,000 plus per square feet. So yeah. price-wise, um, it's quite comparable for properties over there. Mm. The next thing we consider is uh, how big we want, would like the place to be yes. and whether the layout is something we prefer. Yeah. So some of the place, um, I think in Singapore, it's very hard to find places whereby you have squarish rooms. A lot of the rooms, they have... Um, certain weird angles some some weird layouts uh, yeah. not convenient layouts whereby you don't have a proper square room you have something that's like rhombus shape yeah. or trapezium shape some, <laughs> something you don't have right right angled walls yeah. uh, and, and, and that will cause trouble later on because when you want to renovate mm. it's difficult to plan around the area yes. you also have kitchens in tight corners but you don't have a lot of working space for a kitchen Yeah, sometimes you also have I think some people, they believe in feng shui. Yeah. So there are some houses whereby when you come in the main door, you are straight away able to see the toilet. And I don't think some people will like that. Yes. And because of that, some people will put a fake wall between the main gate and the toilet. And aesthetically speaking, it won't look very nice after you run away if you have a fake wall in, in the middle of the room. Yeah. Uh, just to cut out the area. I also have some bedroom whereby master bedroom, the door is connected to the living room. So um, it's like being, the door is beside the sofa of the living room. Yeah. So that is also, to me, a bit weird. Mm. Uh, so these are the things I look out for. Like, I think most importantly is, first of all, when you look, you, uh, go to the place and explore the layout, uh, it has to be something that you are okay with. Because after all, you if you are you want to sit down, uh, live in that place, you have to be okay with the layout. Uh. 
Yeah. Mm. And on top of all these factors, right, just now, I think you mentioned, just now before the pre-interview talk, you mentioned mm. a very important factor also that you realized that, hey, actually this apartment, you know, was, had, had a very, had a successful en bloc in the past, mm. but the government, you know, shut it down because of certain reasons. And that was one of the big factors that attracted you to buy this property. Can you go a little bit deeper about why is this so? Yeah, sure. So we went around to explore the different properties and eventually landed on the place that we eventually bought. As mentioned previously, around a million dollars. Um, previously, there was, uh, we understand that there was this on block for the property, uh, yeah. around 1.6 million. So for the same unit, 1.6 million? Yes, 1.6 wow. million. Okay. Um, which is around a 60% gain. Yeah. Um, eventually the the block was really successful everyone passed through the motion mm. but then it was eventually uh, blocked by the government because they don't want people to jack up the demand and jack up the price for the property yeah. which is why for that reason they blocked the block. Mm. but then eventually um, I would think the area because it's uh, on the east side somewhere near Payaleba with the shifting in place for the Payaleba airbase uh, eventually the whole area I think um, the government will come in and restructure. Yeah. So, we see that there will be a good probability for another on block in the future. Yes. And and, and for that, um, we look at the potential benefits in the future. And I think that it's a good investment uh, for the property as well. Besides, yeah, a good location. And everything is also a good investment to us. Yeah. So now it's a it's a gamble that you wanna take lah, and you believe in this gamble because you are you are renting it out, right? Yeah, That's currently okay. we are renting out because uh need to save on the rental income to, yeah. to save money for renovation. Yeah. Because uh young working adults we don't have a lot of savings. Our salary is at a decent level, but definitely we don't have so much savings. We need to find additional revenue streams. So rental income uh it's one thing that uh, we, we thought is pretty good to, can to supplement our confirm income. you got savings if you can buy one million <laughs> more confirm you, you got you are saving well. Uh, but after buying the so, house, then after no more buying, I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> yeah, but ho- yeah, definitely that that is rental income can be should be one thing that uh, people also look at when when they are buying a property, la. Yeah. Mm. So after renting, you will, based on what I know, you will move into the house and you will stay there. That's why you are not that particular about when the appreciation will come so even if it comes exactly. six seven years later you are willing to wait because you're staying there exactly which is why i say the first important thing is that the location must be good for you mm. next thing is that the layout must be something we are okay with yeah so that you're able to stay there for a long term yeah and the bonus will be the capital appreciation yes uh, given that there was a prior example that this property went on block we believe that in the future there will a uh, high chance there'll be another on block in the future. Yes. So so if you are staying in a good place, why not get a place that has a good chance for good capital appreciation as well? Yeah. So, so that was uh, the few key factors we considered when, when we decided to buy the property. Wow. Mm. I think it, all the stars are aligned. Eh? You can <laughs> stay there and then because maybe it's a freehold in this area, the prices probably won't go down uh, because there's always demand when it's so near the CBD one. I think property prices in Singapore in general very hard to go down because of uh, limited land space in yeah. the first place. Yeah. The only difference would be whether your appreciation will be higher or, or lower. Yeah. I will recommend people to find places or properties in more mature areas now. Mm. 
uh, I, I understand the government is making an effort to develop uh, less mature areas uh, such as Pongol or Tengah. Um, yeah, yes, Tengah for, for the younger generations. Uh, definitely it's a good option. Uh, it's cheaper. The air is better also. Less crowded. Yeah. But, but sometimes uh, there's an inconvenience of uh, finding a mall, finding a supermarket, finding yeah. a food place because being less mature place, that's one of his cons that you have to live with. Yeah. And it's so far from the CBD la, if you're looking for yes, convenience. Uh, yes. A lot of my friends who settled with Pongo area, yeah. initially they thought, okay, let me just uh, save on pri- money on the property and then use some of the extra money that I saved to get a car and then drive to CBD. Yeah. But then a few things to consider is first of all, the car park is very expensive. The parking yeah. fee is very expensive. In a few speedy. hundred a month. And even that, um, the travel time from Pongo or from more further places to CBD took them like one to two hours. So if they have to work, reach the workplace at 8.30, yeah. they have to wake up at 6.30. Yeah. And a lot of times young working adults, they also have to do OT very late yes. and compromise on sleep time. Yeah. Um, they're stuck in traffic also yes so overall pros and cons are if you're okay with the traveling time why not right go for a cheaper area yeah mm. but then uh, if you want somewhere with more convenience yeah. and you have a bit more cash on your hand or, or probably um, you're okay with getting a ratio instead of a BTO yeah I would say why not try mature estates nah? Yeah, you also it can also work out pretty well. Understood. BTO definitely is uh, newer, but then resale if you renovate and with the convenience of the place itself, mm. it might make out to a, be a better place to settle down also. Understood. Hey coconuts, if you're someone who wants to learn how to pick stocks to make passive income, this is for you. The fifth person has created a dividend investing program that teaches you how to invest for income while avoiding the companies that will go bankrupt. Thousands of people have already taken their program and are getting between 8 to 12% each year. They've just opened up a whole new intake and if you sign up through us, you'll be getting access to our members back end too, which is focused on the very thing you're interested in, investing. Learn more at thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. That's thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. Link is in the description below. But a lot of uh, young people like me, you know, don't have a lot of savings. Mm. You know, that's why we go for the cheaper ones. But here comes the important question. For 1 million, you know, around ballpark, the, the property, I think the down payment also will cost... Two three hundred k. How did you manage to save up to that amount as a twenty eight year old Singaporean? Okay, so so I have to be honest here. Like, no, I don't recommend everyone to be like me and go for a one million property. Okay. Yes. Um, please spend uh, and invest within your means. Yes. For myself, uh, down payment he ended up to five hundred thousand dollars. Why? Why so much? Uh, four hundred plus, almost five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Uh, so this is uh, something very interesting. I'll probably go into more detail later on. Yeah. Um, but then uh, how I get this down payment, first of all, I started work early, like four years of work. I had some CPF with me in the first place. I yeah. also had some savings because um, just be consistent in saving. Like, every time mm. I get my salary, I will take a portion out and save it up first. You mentioned uh, the financial coconut was your friend is your friend right yeah, and the, he teaches you how to save properly. And, and he shared with me how he <laughs> saved his money or he allocated his my income and, and to me that was very helpful 
um, I, I find his method sometimes a bit more, you have a lot of discipline, which is mm. not suitable for a for more laid back people, person like me. Yeah. But I find it uh, useful for me every time the salary come in, first take out a portion of it and save it up and then don't touch it. Yeah. And spend the remaining. Uh, if you, the remaining you are able to save a bit, good. If not, don't worry, you also really a portion of your portion of the saving already. Yes. Of salary. So, so that worked out for me lah. So would you um, recommend people to listen to The Financial Coconut and save some money <laughs> so they can also buy property at 28, 30? Definitely, I think financial literacy comes at all ages. Like the younger, the better. Mm. Uh, this kind of financial knowledge is best to really go and listen to Financial Coconut. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's a good platform with a pretty good advisor, solid advisors. <laughs> Take your advisors, um, feed to your circumstances and then plan your finances early. Yeah. Mm. So, so the other portion of the money where I came was uh, as some sponsor from my parents. Yeah, I understand. Uh, our family, we have a tradition to save money. La, yeah. A habit of saving money. So, mm. so we had some money on hand, uh, which is why we were able to pay the down payment for yeah. the place. Yeah. So you asked earlier, how come the down payment was 500k? Yeah, that's quite a lot. 50% of the uh, It's a lot. Uh, I would think during the process of purchasing my property, there were some challenges and issues we faced. Uh, I think I should share it out. People should go and uh, take this in point and then um, not make the same mistakes as I had. Okay. So first of all, when we went to get a down payment, we went to visit OCBC and DBS. Yes. Um, but we thought, okay, DBS is a bigger bank in Singapore, ma. Mm. Uh, more secure, better rates, la, definitely. Then we, we thought, okay, why not just go with DBS? Uh, we went there, we had a preliminary assessment of how much loan I can take. Yes. They gave me a rough gauge of around 70% of the loan, which is around 700k plus. Yeah. But then eventually, when the loan finally came down, it was 500 plus thousand dollars only based on my income. Yeah. We're not sure why, but uh, fortunately for us, we have an extra $200,000 on our hand. Mm. But for someone, other people, people who went through with this TBS option and if eventually they had this 200,000 shortfall, yeah. you'll be very stressed for them because uh, they won't have sufficient down payment to go through with the option to purchase. Yeah. So the option to purchase, there's a penalty if you don't exercise the option. Mm. Uh, I can't remember how much I think is a percentage of the property price. Yeah, I think the option fee, you give them straight away. Yeah, free. you will have to give to the seller. Yes. And pay the penalty for the if don't didn't go through the the option to purchase. Yeah. So I think that was pretty bad on, uh, DBS behalf. They, besides banking, they also need to provide a uh, good service and be more customer centric. So I thought this is uh, something that was unpleasant lah. Yeah. I had this uh, took the loan from TBS actually it's quite scary you know if they tell you up front okay you're gonna get $700,000 loan yes, and exactly. then in the end you can only get 500000 loan but what, what happened did you clarify with them or no lah eventually it shift the blame to us they say oh um, which officer told you it's $700,000 but it was definitely one of the banking officers that we yeah. went through the process with Yes. We went to understand the loans, terms and conditions, the packages they have, mm. did a preliminary ass- assessment and it told us it was $700,000 and which is why we eventually decided to go and take up DBS offer. Yeah. So, I'm not really sure these kind of things will happen to other people Yeah. but if you are taking a loan from DBS or any other bank in Singapore, please uh, confirm the amount, the loan amount that you are able to take. Yes. 
double confirm, triple confirm with the bank. And everything is in black and white, lah. Need to put in black. Yes. Uh, before you take up the loan, so that this kind of thing won't happen to you. It will cause a lot of unnecessary stress. Yeah. So, mm. really just double check, triple check at the start, lah. Mm. Don't don't take anything for granted because they said so. But everything should be in black and white. You know, for you to to mm. check. Also note down the details of the loan officer who are, who communicated these things to you, mm. so that uh when a bank, if there's any issues, the bank comes out and asks you, oh, who told you this? At least you have a name, unlike us who oh it was a random loan officer, but we don't know who we because we we didn't know this kind of thing would happen. We yes, expect yes. the bank to perform its own fiduciary duties and due yeah. diligence, and a lot of them to do its own due diligence, but apparently um. Sometimes that is not the case, lah. Yeah. Mm. That's so, why everyone's interest, uh, should take note on some of these areas, lah. Mm. Lessons I learned. Better to be safe than sorry, lah. Hmm. I think, especially when it comes to buying a property, so it's a very expensive, purchase. A lot of costs involved. Uh, need to be extra careful with this. Yeah. So for now, you know, we go back to your, renting of your apartment. Mm. So yeah, renting it out, and. Do you do any renovation to it to make sure that okay it's good and ensure that it's gonna be rent out or? I think if you are looking to rent out the property, um, the rental market has a lot of different segments la. So say if you renovate your property very well, you're definitely able to command a higher rental charge. Yeah. Uh, and and your property your target tenants will probably be foreign executives or foreign professionals who come to Singapore to work. Mm. Uh, these people that are able to take care of your renovations, your fixtures, your property itself, and they're able to pay a higher price. But then you can also save on the renovation cost uh, of the property, leave it as is. Probably not a very good state. You can loan to uh, rent out to foreign workers. Uh, if you're able to take the risk, definitely foreign workers, uh, they might not be able to take care of your property very well. So yeah. this is something you have to Take note and uh, be able to accept it. Yeah, for my case, uh, I didn't renovate the place. Rented it out to a company, I think a renovation company mm. who who used the place who rented the place to as a as a place to as a lodging for uh, his his workers. Okay. So and, and it was okay for us because uh, even though the workers will not take care of the place very well, we are looking to renovate the whole place anyways. When so you move in. When we move in. So yeah. a lower rental income with them um, is okay with us. We save on the renovation cost because we are going to renovate the whole place anyways after two years. Yeah. Mm. So after two years, you know, they move out, you will move in? Ah? Yes. yes. I see, I see. Uh, also as part of the ten, uh, contract, because they are a renovation company, right? Um, we asked them to do the painting of the walls mm. uh, and 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 uh, the the floor as well for us free of charge because to them is is cheap la. They have the paint and they're yeah. focused really. They are yeah. able to do up that request. Wow! So you're hitting two birds with one stone, <laughs> renting the the house to a renovation company and then also and save on some paint job costs. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm. So you have been renting for how many months? Uh, actually, I've been renting for around one to two years really. Mm. So mm. far, is it just one tenant or many tenants? Any interesting tenants? Uh, I've always been renting my house through an agent. Uh, I think according to law, it's maximum of six. 
uh, occupants la, allowed in, in the property. Yeah. Uh, any interesting tenants for that? There was a case um, quite interesting. Uh, there was one time I was actually working at a client's place um, and then uh, I got a phone call from the police and they say, oh, um, your property is investigated for vice activities, rent out to people who are uh, doing illegal activities. Yeah. So I was... Really shocked. La, I, I was I was quite surprised because uh, to be honest, I was a bit... Uh, I, I found it a bit dubious. I thought it was one of those prank calls. Yeah. So I asked him, how do I confirm that you are really from the police? How do I know whether you are who you say you are? Yeah. They said, oh, I'll drop you an email. So... After I received the email, um, I, I, I sent the logo, a picture of the uh, email to one of my friends who is working in the police force and asked her whether this is the re- actually real email from police. And she yeah. told me yes. So I was quite shocked. Yeah. So I, I, I called back the police and asked them, oh, so what should I do now? They say, um, those people who are doing the vice activities, they already run away. Mm. Uh, just change the lock of your house. Yes. And uh, there's no further action required from my end, la. Yeah. Uh, so I brought this up, brought this up to the agent as well. Yeah. Uh, he was also very surprised that the tenant is actually involved in this kind of uh, illegal activities. Um, because when he first went out to the tenant, the tenant told them, told him that he they are actually, uh, working for a company and yeah. they are the company's employees. Oh. Uh, so, I believe the agent has done, uh, his due diligence his maximum effort yeah uh, but you know if people really want to lie and trick you uh, it's really hard to tell yes yes so I, I reminded the agent uh, uh, subsequently for the subsequent uh, tenants. tenants we have to be more mindful and more careful about who we rent the property out to yeah because we also want to infringe the law yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's you, you don't know anything about that anymore, like, No details. Is uh, is it a prostitution? Did they use it from, for prostitution? From from what I heard is prostitution because they said they they caught around arrested two women. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the occupants ran away. So I'm not really sure of the details as when I will probe yeah. the police. I'm more concerned about what's my subsequent actions. Uh, yeah. Am I going to be penalized or anything? But yeah. thankfully no. Yeah, okay. uh, we just have to be more mindful about uh, who we rent our property to next time. So the contract is broken, lah. Like. Uh, definitely the, the those occupants who are involved in illegal activities, they so also won't be coming back to yes. the property because uh, their place is already exposed to the police, right? Mm. So automatically the contract is forfeited. I see, I see. Mm. But it, it causes some hassle, and because every time we rent out the property through an agent, we have to pay him commission right yes so uh, in a short, short span of a couple of months we have to renew the, the tenancy contract with a new agent and pay a new uh, commission fee based on end, the short months yes in the end in the short two or three months we didn't really earn a lot of rent because yeah quite a amount of it went to the agent instead yes yes uh, so I just think that uh, listeners who are looking to rent out the property to be mindful of mm. uh, the tenants who they are renting out to. But how how is it possible that uh, let's say a landlord can find out if you, you don't even see the tenant because the agency is the tenant. So how do you know that you know the tenant is good or bad? Or is there any checks that you can do? Um, I think a lot of times uh, there's only really a, everything is, works on a trust basis. You really have to 
trust your agent to find reliable tenants mm. for your property. After all, if uh, there's some guy who wanted to do uh, illegal activities, uh, you are, you won't be able to just tell them, tell that from their appearance. Yes. Uh, these people they will go and conceal themselves, so yeah. you also won't really be able to tell. But uh, I think as part of the rental contracts, it's a common clause that the landlord can go and visit the property to go and check on the property, the status of it, how many occupants there are, and whether there's any legal activities. So I think that is one thing probably landlords can go and do to ensure that their, uh, their tenants are who they say they are. Yeah. And the property is uh, being rented out in a proper and legal way. Um, other than that, I think... Uh, there's a limited view or visibility depend on, on what the whole landlord can go and see. Uh, really have to trust your agent uh, and and remind him that he should do his due diligence to find reliable tenants. Yeah, okay. That's a very interesting story <laughs> because I only hear or see these stories on the news. I didn't it really I, affect me. Until it happened. To me, I also thought it's something only on the news. Yeah, because mm. it's quite scary when you're halfway talking to your client and then suddenly the police calls you. And, and, tells and, you and my first thought was, is that a prank call? Yeah, a lot of prank calls these <laughs> days. Yes. And, and uh, really after this, I, I understand uh, despite how safe Singapore can be, there's still some illegal activities going around. Um, landlords should just be careful. Like, it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. So James, thank you for being on the show because I know a lot of people buy properties but we generally don't hear the whole journey, the whole process, the ups and the downs and the way their decision is made online or anywhere. So I just want to thank you for taking the time and effort to share with us your journey. Uh, you're welcome. And also thank you for inviting me to your show. Thank you James. I hope you have a great day. Have a great day too. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for taking time to tune in. I hope you've learned a little bit more about property investing today. If you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones. Also, do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you're interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day ahead guys and always remember, when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next week. So after talking to James, I've learned two things. First, you really need a plan when you get into properties. Even if that plan is a gamble, it needs to be one that is risk managed. You always have to consider the downside. I think one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself when you are going to purchase a property is what if this best case scenario that you had for yourself or that your agent showed you does not happen? Are you okay with it not happening? Can you stomach that investment? Because nobody in a property market can predict the market with accuracy. You know, if, if they can pre predict it with accuracy, they would already have bought the property. Why would they even want to share with others? When you think of the worst case scenario and then you make your decision based on that, it tends to keep whatever that's going to happen within your financial buffer. And of course, if you profit, the best case scenario comes, then it's good for you lah. But if you are prepared for the worst case scenario, then it's safer for you too. And secondly, I realized that unexpected things might occur during a transaction or after you bought the house, just like what happened to James. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. 
many people can have smooth transactions, but it doesn't mean that all transactions and property and purchases are smooth. We can all be a little bit more careful, especially with things related to the regulations, to the loans, you know, have everything down in black and white and do more routine checks of your house, etc. That was how I felt after talking to James. And let us know. Let us know what interesting Singapore property stories that you have heard or encountered in our Telegram community group. See you next week.